What's happening, people? Today, I am super fired up to have on my guest and good friend, uh, Brett Lawrence. Uh, we've known each other for, for a few years now. Um, Brett has an amazing property called Rancho Las Lomas in Orange County. Um, he is long time been a dedicated people person, huge personality from you know running successful clubs and restaurants, which have all sort of led him to his uh, his beer brand, Town Park Brew Co. Today, Brett and I talk again about uh, being entrepreneurial. Uh, this time, it just happens to be in the beer space. Okay, and I probably should mention to everyone listening uh, that uh, I am a very teeny, teeny, tiny, small investor in uh, Town Park. And I uh, just wanted to get that out there in the open. I hope you enjoy the show. We cover a lot of ground from beer to his tigers. Enjoy. On the Brevity Code podcast, we'll explore a wide range of topics from the very people that give form and color to our world. We'll hear from artists, brand builders, industry leaders, pro athletes, fitness and endurance coaches, philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and many others. Through their actions, they enrich us with their vision, creativity, and bravery. Our guests have all been successful by flying in the face of conventional wisdom. We'll learn from them the ways in which we can apply that very knowledge to our own path and toward our own self-fulfillment. So welcome to the show, Brett. Um, good to have you here on Brevity Code. Um, you know, when I, when, I first, when I first heard about you and before I knew you, um, you were just the guy that had the white tigers on your property. And this is, again, before I, before I knew you, and then we, we sort of met, became friends down the line. But, you know, why did you have exotic animals? How did that come to be? Well, well first, thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, it's, it's a long story. We've always been uh, filled with animals out of our property here in um, Orange County. Um, my father always loved them. And it just kind of started with birds and then it went to smaller cats. And then we ultimately rescued um, some tigers. And today we have one white tiger left on our property. How old is the tiger? You know, our tiger, um, she's 14. So she just turned 14. She'll be 15 in June. And uh, they can live up to about 20 years in captivity. So and you're like in your mid-30s, right? How old are you, if you don't mind? 36. All right, so you, yeah, I mean, so basically, like for half of your life, you've had a tiger. How many yeah, people can say uh, that? Since I know it's kind of funny, you know, people. It's my friends. I think use it more than I do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If get some more girls or whatnot, but um, you know, we. I look at it differently, but yeah, since I was in high school, we've um, had the opportunity to have these exotic animals for uh, or, or for rescue, and then um, you know. People have had the chance to see him throughout my whole life. So it's been kind of the tiger boy, I guess you'd say it. It's kind of in my email addresses and kind of the, the joke. But <laughs> I bet no one messed with you in high school. It's like, dude, that guy's got tigers. Like, I don't mess with uh, that yeah. guy. Bring your tiger to the party. <laughs> <laughs> or it was definitely probably a novel thing for when you were dating. Like, hey, you want to come over? I got I want to check my tigers. Yeah, you know, you're, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to say it didn't not work, but <laughs> uh, like I was saying, I think it worked better for my friends because they'd be like, oh yeah, he's, he's got a tiger. And I'm like, well, that's your pickup line because I didn't say it. <laughs> exactly. They think I use it all the time. And I'm like, I just use it with my, you know, my good looks and my charm, right? <laughs> well, that's a given, but the tiger's like the icing on the cake. 
Yeah. So what, like, again, so having her around, we, and you live on a property that we're going to talk about in a little bit here, but, like, and I'll get off the tiger thing, but it's you have to understand, like, this is not a normal thing. Like, I, you know, you're probably going to, you know, you're an anomaly in Orange County. You, you may even know this. I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine there's other tigers in Southern California aside from the San Diego Zoo or Santa Ana Zoo. Um, so you're in a in a rare position as a, as a rescuer slash owner there. But like, like, what's the coolest thing about her to you? You know, I mean, it's like I said, we don't, you know, she, well, she's been here my whole life, I mean, half my life, pretty much. And yeah, we are the only people in Orange County with who's had had tigers. Um, you know, we're we're a rescue out here, at Ranch Las Lomas. So she's not a pet. She's not here for entertainment. Even though you know we do events and things on our property that we'll, we'll probably get into, but she's been out here. And I think the best thing that lately we've got had the opportunity for is. Uh, we use her for education and a lot of children have come out here and they, they learn about the endangerment of these animals and she's, you know, we all wish they could live free in the wild. I mean, of course, but when you have an animal like this and she's able to educate people who are ignorant to the, the problems and then to see the face of a child, who's, you know, three feet from the tigers, it's pretty cool. You know, that's, that's probably the best thing of having her. My friends, like I said, beg to differ. They like, you know, the date side of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. well, it's it's a great service you're doing. I'm sure she's enhanced your life, and like you said, the the lives of thousands of kids that have come to the property to, you know, get a glimpse of a. Oh, she's a white tiger, correct? Yeah, she's a white tiger. So she's, um, you know, it's a genetic mutation. It's actually man-made in a, in a, a sense. She's not albino. Uh, you never know when you're getting a white. There's about 400 white tigers left in the wild, and they're all pretty much in captivity. Wow. Yeah. So we had the orange, the Bengals, but she's a white Bengal, so she's come from um, you know a, an orange mother, as because you never know when you get the white. It's just that genetic anomaly. Right. And I think when I was there last, you had um, well, I think you had a couple things going on. I think you had a mountain lion that was um. Didn't the mountain lion like attack a zebra that you had? Is no, that... no, not us, but our neighbors. I mean, yeah, we're. I mean, we're in. People don't realize we're in a canyon, and you know, we're the ones encroaching on their their territory. Yeah. So you know, as much as I mean, coyotes, mountain lions, bobcats, deer. I mean, it's just the wildlife. You know, um, Orange County used to have black bears. I mean, yeah, I and buffalo. The black bear, and buffalo. Yeah, but. You know, we're the ones encroaching. So, yeah, there are mountain lions out here, and I think they're tagged and regulated. But, you know, I think some neighbors have had some issues where they've attacked their pigs. And, you know, I mean, they're just looking for food because we're kicking all their squirrels and rabbits and things out, you know. Yeah. So they're doing what they can. I mean, uh, you know, they, they regulate them a lot. We have trail cams. But, you know, they're here. So it's good. So we've we've touched on Rancho. We've mentioned it a couple of times. Can you, can you give us a sense of what, it's a really unique and, and, um, gosh, there's a heritage to the property. There's, there's a history to the property. Um, can you, can you give us a sense of what Rancho is all about? Yeah. So the property is, uh, called Rancho Las Lomas. Um, we're about a 50 acre a state ranch in the uh, inland of Laguna Beach. Um, we've been here, you know, all 
since this, these lands out here have been all the, the land grants, you know, back in the Serrano families and cowboys and, you know, gold rush and stuff. So we're an old, old orange and apple grove that my father acquired back in the, the 70s. And when he acquired it, there's nothing but, yeah, farms, oranges, and apple groves, no homes around. But come today, you know, we've turned our property into quite an oasis of different multiple buildings and, you know, these animals that are part of our 501c3 that we rescue. And then um, we have uh, weddings that are, I mean, our biggest thing out here is just weddings, weddings, weddings. And then the other thing we have is, uh, you know, beer tasting and wine tasting. And, I mean, it's kind of a full-on getaway that people it's private you got to make a reservation but i mean it's it's quite surreal i'm, I'm pretty lucky to wake up to it every day and, and you grew up there like on the grounds yeah yeah born and raised so some of the buildings we've grew up on but we transformed them now into um uh concert not concert halls but wedding halls and reception areas and and corporate meeting areas and stuff so yeah it's it's, cool. it's definitely a magical space it really is i mean when you think about how developed and grown up orange county is and how metropolitan it is um, what we're talking about for those of you that just have not heard of rancho um if you even live in the area you haven't heard of it which would be shocking but it's it's really like a well-preserved kind of throwback place um that's just tranquil and beautiful I mean, um, I know like the Dalai Lama has been there to visit. Like, I don't know how many venues can say that. Um, you know, it's also, and segue, here we go, uh, into, it's it's the birthplace of Town Park. Yeah. So many questions pop into my head that are sort of directly linked to Town Park. Um, so tell me about beer making and, 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 and what happened at Rancho that sort of sparked this this further notion of, of actually doing your own craft beer? Well, yeah, you kind of, I mean, this property, it's so diverse. You know, when I, I came from L.A., kind of my young professionalism, or not really so professional, but nightclubs and fun stuff, but I came from a background of hospitality, just kind of born into that. And then understanding, you know, how this property needed growth and where we could go from there. My dad, he um, started this idea and it's just, it's not finished. And I don't think anyone who started a business, they're, they're ever finished or anyone who owns land. I think like, you know, you're, you're learning this out in Idaho. You'll never, you'll never be done with right. your property and you just constantly work on it and work on it. So I kind of found a, a, a way to, you know, maximize the space, maximize the opportunity and grow. And, and that, and one of the things was, well, why am I selling someone else's beer? I have this influx of weddings and parties and stuff. I said, well, I'll make my own beer, you know? And, <laughs> and it was, it was like my dad, you know, we have a vineyard on the hillside. So it was either, you know, beer, whiskey, or wine, you know, wine takes two years, whiskey takes 20 years and beer takes two weeks. So you know, we just said, and I love beer. So, Let's just start making beer. Right. But you don't just, you know, again, this is sort of where this, this is what really separates, you know, the, the average Joe from a, a true entrepreneur and a, and a, and a guy who, you know, appreciates the art of the craft beer. I mean, there's a lot of people talk about, you know, homemaking kits and such. Um, but you, you went for it. I mean, again, there's a lot of people that, that talk that talk, but necessarily don't walk the walk. How did you even get started? So, you know, say I'm a guy listening to this podcast right now and I'm like, oh, Rad, I want to make beer, but like, where do I start? How do I do it? 
well, you got balls, first of all. <laughs> For big ones. <laughs> I mean, you just have to. I think it, you know, if you want to make beer, if you want to open a restaurant, if you want to, you know, start a podcast, whatever you want to do, you just got to, you have to do it. And I think the thing is, is there's a lot of people out there, I don't, I don't take it as just beer. I mean, I could go into that and I will go into that, but I, just to, on a topic of how did I start it, you just have to have the guts. And my mentality is, you know, why not? And if anyone had, didn't have an answer, I don't have an answer. Well, why not? So I just did it. And you have to go all in and there's no plan B. There's, there's, you know, directions and movements and changes and stuff. But for me, it's just do it. And, you know, if you have a passion, um, you know, go for it. So I think beer was one of the passions I had. And I think um, that's kind of was the, the one I felt that resonated best with Rancho at the time. So five years ago, actually, this Christmas, next week, I got a beer kit from my staff because I just kept talking, talking, talking about, I'm going to make beer, I'm going to make beer. So the first step was just that, you know, local beer store with a local, you know, plastic beer tub and brewing in your kitchen, you know, and just kind of having fun, just like cooking at home, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I think the everything sort of lined up too. So in addition to you, taking the initiative to, you know, attempt that first kit and probably fail miserably. I don't know. Was it any good? Well, I still have the first bottle. From the first you do? Batch. That's kind of yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I brewed it on New Year's Eve and then five years ago, and then I bottled it and we drank it on Super Bowl. So uh, it actually, everyone, everyone enjoyed it. Pretty awesome. Yeah, so I didn't really screw it up. I think we've screwed up more today than like today. <laughs> well, but so again, I think you know when you when you trace your you know professional career again, even even your childhood, starting back when you know you were you were in the service and in business of people back when when in your formative years, and then you get into you know your restaurateur, then club promotion. I think the next logical thing for you, it's almost like this, you were groomed to do this, you know, because I think in addition to, you're right, and you said earlier, if you just really want to do something, you just really have to do it. I mean, no one's, you could sit there and come up with a million reasons why you don't know anything about beer and how, you know, and how, how am I going to go up against, you know, a Budweiser? Like, it's it's pretty daunting, um, but you just did it. And I think that's... Um, you know, it's certainly commendable, and and I think it's it's, but it is one of the first steps to really owning owning your your vision and and um, I don't know, man, like making your mark and going like I'm just gonna if I fail I fail, but I'm gonna do this, and um, so I, I think that's um, for those of you who are out there, you know, you got an idea, you got a you got an idea that's been in your pocket for a long time. Test no more excuses, no more asking questions, no more Google searching, just do it. Um, I'll, I'll touch on that real quick. Yeah. You said it. You said, um, you know, you, you go and if you fail, you fail, but it's never a failure. It's an experience. And, and I always say, and I heard this quote a while back and I, I love it. It's experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So it's, it's never a failure. And if you could take what you learned in your past, I mean, everyone's been screwed by something in business or the economy went down or, you know, it's, it's how you react to it. It's, it's, you know, you don't go cry in a hole. You just do what's next and you figure out and you, you learn from your mistakes. And 
you learn from the people who might have, you know, dissed you out, and then you, you just keep moving. And I mean, this is number 12 on my list of things that I've tried or started that, you know, and I, I, don't, I think I'll have 15 more to go <laughs> by the time I'm 90. <laughs> well, this one's going to be a long run. Um, so, so the town park, um, where does the name come from? So on our property, uh, there is, I mean, it's really eclectic. My dad was a traveler. He would go to um, pawn shops and he would go to swap meets and he would just buy stuff and he'd buy signs and he would buy uh, trailers and just things. And he'd place them all over our property. So if anyone comes out and visits Rancho, you'll see everything from Portugal to Pasadena. So I found he passed away in about in 2005 from Alzheimer's and he had a garage filled with junk. So I've been able in the last 10 years to kind of sift through that stuff. And one of the things I found was these street signs, which looks like our logo. Um, I think people will see it on the website, but Town Park Bruco. But it's actually an old street sign from Pomona from the uh, Route 66, you know, from here to Chicago. So it uh, started here and it goes out there. But um, it's it was Town Park Circle, 3400 block. And we actually just shortened it and named it Town Park Bruco. So it's just kind of talk of the town. Everything's town related. So it, that's kind of like the brief history of that sign which now is replicating our logo and our tap handles and pretty much everything we do right and so the so town park bruco essentially starts its birth was at at rancho and and now um so how long was it in this stage where it was really kind of a garage operation and you and you were just making beers or beer for um your you know to supply to your uh the venue itself yes so i mean we were garage banding it and i ended up i was testing people on it you know we opened a barn bar around the same time i pretty much started making going from this plastic kit to another kit which is like a 20 gallon uh, gravity beer kit and we were brewing in the garage more so and this is when we were kind of kegging it and i opened a barn bar on the property um at Rancho Los Lomas and I kind of was testing people out they were drinking you know other beers and they were drinking wines and whiskeys and I kept giving them a piece of paper and I'd be like what do you think of this one what do you think of that one and, and so what, what were you doing like was it a lager was it a amber like what were what was it you know it was there was six core or four core beers when we were doing there and I kind of really wanted to go the generic you know drinkable beers I started with a blonde um, lagers take six weeks and blondes take two weeks. So we never really did a lager to start, but I did a blonde, um, a brown ale cause I love browns, an amber ale, and then an IPA. So I figured, you know, that was our first four beers and, and we really wanted to replicate and make a better one of the big popular beers out there, which, you know, I was kind of doing taste side by side tests next to, cause everyone's, you know, everyone knows a stone IPA. So I'm going to put it next to mine. And they're like, wow, that's actually pretty good. So we're trying to not go too off the beaten path and kind of go more mainstream. Right. And so then when does it, you know, leap from tastings in the barn bar, which, by the way, is super awesome. And uh, I would invite those listening to go check that out. What are the when can people go? Because it's not open like all the time, right? Yeah, it's reservations only right now. The winter seasons, uh, Saturdays and Sundays. Um during the weekend. So you can, you come by, you make a reservation, you valet park, um, and then you can bring your own food or we cook food for you. And then 
people get their cocktails and, or their beer and they'll walk the property and they get to see the, the tigers and zebras and any of the other exotic birds and turtles and iguanas and raccoons and things we have. So it's a pretty cool experience. Like everything goes, you know, it's, it's, it's quite surreal. And then you leave this place going, wow, shoot, I could get married there too. And then they look at their wedding. So. <laughs> right. Again, it is, it's a, it's a special venue. It's almost kind of hard to describe until you're standing there. But like you said, to be able to sort of grab a beer and, and cruise these grounds, almost like a zoo atmosphere uh, and see, um, you know, beautiful trees that are still indigenous to Orange County that have not been touched probably for ever. Um, you know. Oaks and sycamores. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's a special place. So, um, so the so town park starts, you know, it, humbly at, at Rancho, um, you know, through trial and error, uh, which obviously was was very smart of you from, you know, getting your your own closed uh, closed circuit venue, um, you know, feedback direct. Um, what what was the so you're doing this thing again and it's sort of like you have these beers you know it's trial and error you go back you make a new batch comes out but at what point where was the spark where you're like you know what this is a not only a viable business this is my passion this is what I want to do this is my mission I'm going to bring it because if you don't go into a business with that kind of intensity and that kind of focus then it's just a hobby and that's fine but what you've done has elevated this this craft beer hobby of yours into a full on brand, and we'll we're gonna get to where it is today and what's happening with with the label. But you know, what was that moment where you're like, okay, I'm this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm focusing on, this is what I'm devoting myself to full time. Yeah, I mean, you know, that moment actually came before I even started brewing our first batch, and I think that's why the staff got me. A brew kit because I have it right now. I'm thinking where the beer is today. I'm already thinking where it's going to be in six years because that's I think so far ahead that sometimes I need to slow down. But maybe that's my biggest flaw. But it's also a good thing. But you know, I I said to myself I was going to build the biggest brewery in Orange County, and I'm now today thinking I want to be like Stone. You know, I want to get as big, not like Stone, but I want to be as big as Stone because I want our beer everywhere. Um, but you know, it was that. That moment when I started home brewing and we figured out we had a good recipe, you know, and I was having some friends help me brew and they were more of the brewer side of it and I was more of the business side of it. And they were uh, they were treating it like a hobby and they didn't really see that I was going to take this bigger. So I kind of just branched out and I went contracting and, and or gypsy brewing, I guess you'd call it. So I brought, um, you know all of my recipes and all of our stuff we did. And we just kind of went to a small little 10 barrel system at a brewery in Orange County. And we, we just started brewing. And I mean, that's where I met my future head brewer. Um, he's no longer with us, but our first head brewer, and we opened the brewery today. And um, that's then we're kind of started packaging the beer and we, we got our distribution license and I was kind of slanging the beers out of my Prius to all my connections with restaurants in Orange County. So that was the next step. Yeah. And there's a couple paths you could have taken, right? I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you could have private labeled your first few batches, right? You could have went to a local, you know, brewery and said, hey, here's my label. Here's my brand. I want to start. I'm going to buy a blonde. 
uh, you know, make me X. And then you kind of do, but you kind of went again, straight from like the brewing kit to sitting there and doing it yourself and figuring it out to the whole process. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that speaks to your integrity and, and the brand integrity long term. But, um, you know, you, you've taken the road, I think, less traveled and, and a more difficult road. Now, speaking of that, all roads really got nuts when you when you when you uh, repurposed. Uh, I think it was an old tire factory or an old tire um, warehouse in Anaheim and, and built your your brewery. Yeah, so you know, Gypsy Brewing is like you said, white label or contracting is what it is when you take someone else's recipe. But we were lucky enough to this brewery wasn't really producing beer for themselves, so I kind of got an education from this brewer guy, and um, he took our recipe. So we were brewing, we were kegging, and like I said, I was slinging beer out of my car, my Prius, and we were getting the counts. And I was building more of a brand because, but we didn't have our own brewery. So there was that moment when I said, well, you know, I did a lot of research and I said, well, shoot, I, I need to build our own brewery. And, and that's where I uh, got a phone call or I called into Mayor Tate in Anaheim and I had a meeting with him. And the first meeting, you know, I walk in there, just surfer kid, board shorts, t-shirt. It's about three years ago. And he had the whole city there. I mean, he had planning department. He had himself. I mean, you know, it was quite daunting. And I, I looked at him and I told him that, yeah, I'm going to build the largest brewery in Orange County and in, in Anaheim for you. And at the time, there was only about 12. Now there's about 20. Um, and he, you know, because he was deeming the Anaheim as brew city. And there's a lot of history of breweries there with the Germans and all that. So it was, and the city was really responsive to breweries coming in. So lucky for us, we found this killer location my landlord uh, was recommended to me i also went to school with his kids but we um we yeah it was an old tire shop right on a train track right there in the upper we called uptown anaheim and it's right on the upper west side so it was it was nothing twenty thousand square foot just empty rundown tire shop right you got you know you got freeway visibility off the five there at lincoln um, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful building and, you know, you, it looks, you know, like you've taken some cues from like, the, you know, playing off the train tracks there. It's kind of got this old school, like, you know, train station vibe, kind of turn of the century, but at the same time, it's got this whole like black and white minimal thing happening. Like it's just, it's, it's an incredible place. And so you, from the front of house, you've got uh, full service, well, it's beer, right? Beer and what else are you serving there? Is it kombucha and beer? Beer, coffees, kombuchas, um, and with our license and all brewery licenses, you can't do um, wine unless it's a private party. So we're 23 licensed there. That's manufacturing and a tasting room. So, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, our logo is black and white, and then we have accents, bright colors, and that's kind of like what our cans look like, just simplicity. So... Yeah, we, we, we built this thing really kind of a lot of the influence I got of my family's restaurant in, in Orange County or Newport Beach. And then a lot of the influence I got was from um, different uh, just things on our property at Rancho Las Lomas. So um, with that, I ended up kind of, you know, putting those into the brewery just to kind of pay homage to my late father as well you know, and um, kind of 
start my own legacy, but have hints of accents that represented my life, you know? Yeah. So it's, when you walk in there, you'll see a lot of those things. And, I, and we speak about those on our tours and stuff, which people really like and relate to. Yeah. And so, and I'm sure he's shining down, man, with a big old smile because it's, it's a special place. It's really, you've done hats off. It's, it's beautiful. Um, how, what can we find there as far as beers on tap? Like what, what are you offering? And is there seasonal offerings? Is there limited edition runs in addition to some of the core stable? Like take us through that. Um, so, uh, tastings and stuff like at the brewery. That what you said. But. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a few questions there. You know, is there what's on tap for one? So we have 16 taps. We built a really cool tap. Um, this is one of a kind. It's an old uh, steam boiler and fire extinguisher from the Massachusetts in the uh, 1890s. So we kind of built this cool tap. We have 16 um, different beers. Two are on nitro. And with that, we basically um, have been able to create our core six beers is pretty much like our blonde lager, white ale, IPA, amber, and pale ale. So we kind of went to market with those six. But then the other ten are really up to our new brewers' creativity. And how and long that, will those typically stay on tap And how when you cycle through them? You know, it depends. We have smaller tanks to make more smaller batches, anywhere from 15 to 30 kegs. And then, you know, our bigger tanks are anywhere from, you know, 120, 120 kegs. So the smaller batches, can, if it's a good beer, last up to a month or two. And then, you know, we'll rotate them because it keeps him, everyone, you know, you make the same meal over and over, right, at a restaurant. It's kind of fun when a chef, you know, or a brewer could go make his own creation, especially something seasonal. So, we like to turn through those a lot more and it gets our customers excited to come back in and try something fun. Um, right. That's at the brewery itself, but, but mainstream market, we're not really doing too much crazy weird stuff. We're focusing more on those core beers and really mastering those. And so when I was there last, there was a tasting that I uh, was fortunately uh, able to be a part of. So there was a, there was a, a Mexican lager, there was a double IPA, there was a Saison, there was a Haze. Um, are any of those going to be, they were wonderful, by the way, all of them. Um, will any of those see a production line or is that more something that once you you go to the tap room, you're more likely to find on premises or what's the distribution look like? So we've changed up a little bit of our model. You know, this first year, we opened our brewery uh, last September, a year ago, 2017. So we're about a year and three months into the new brewery. Um, it's a 30-barrel brew house. It's massive. We can produce about 20,000 barrels a year. And on the same footprint, we could get up to 40,000, which hopefully we'll get there in about two more years. Um, but we, we focused, we're, we're focusing now on from our 12-ounce cans to more of the 16-ounce cans. So for spring, we're going to have the IPA Blonde and Mexican Lager available. But then we're also going to turn the mix and do a quarterly seasonal beer for the beer geek world. And that's going to be our first one is going to be a Loquat Saison. Nice. And the Loquats are actually, it's a Japanese plum, and they grow here on my ranch in um, at Rancho Las Lomas. Dude. So that one, it's it's good <laughs> it is I've, I've had it it's really wonderful and again how cool that you sort of get to you know close the loop you know 100 percent from you know how much more 
you know, original can you get than and then harvesting fruit from your ranch, you know, and then purposing it to uh, to your beer and your craft. I mean, I, I think that's pretty awesome, and probably not a lot of folks out there can can say they can do that. Um, so we, we've we've touched on the space a little bit. So you've got again, f- sort of open to the public, full beautiful tap room. We've talked a little bit about the beers, um, the and a little bit about the space itself. But so that you've got a um, if you wanted to, you've got like a transitional room, and that's a terrible word for it. But um, if what do you call you? What do you call that room? That event space. Yeah, thank you. Event God, it's terrible. I, I consider myself decent at wordsmithing, but that was just to blow it. But anyway, so... I'm, sorry, I'm like thinking about that transitional room. What do you do in a transitional room? <laughs> <laughs> Go from sober to not sober. Um, but so, yeah, and then you have a cold room. You have you have a bottling area, full distribution capabilities. Um, it's really like a, a, a full space, right? You have full operations there. And again, I think going back to... You know, again, you could have wide labeled the beer. You could, you could have been more of a brand marketing company. But you've really, you've chosen to take this all sort of within your arms and 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 you know put this out there as the purveyor of all of this, of all these touch points. Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, we were basically thinking and and growing this brewery. I saw the uh, problems that other breweries had, and the biggest problem was, you know, they grew out of their brewery in the first year. And for me, I'd rather not grow out of it. I'd rather grow into it. And then the other thing I saw is people were, you know, canning and bottling from a separate company that would drive in and and do it. So I kind of went all balls to the wall and I bought everything, you know, top of the line that fit the space best, built a large cold box so we could store the beer cold. And then we also did something unique and we built an event space. And I don't think, you know, with my background in events and private parties and hospitality, you know, it's not just beer. People, you know, we got TVs in there. We have air conditioning. We have heaters. We have bathrooms with at least three stalls for men, three stalls for women. You know, we have an event space. You don't have to close down your tap room so you could have a private party. I mean, you, you got to hit everyone with every angle that they stay there and they enjoy it. You know, the next thing now, we've been using food trucks, but now we're going to start, we got our catering license in the mix so that we could actually start serving our own food and then that'll allow us to do keep people there longer, and then it'll allow us to actually serve wine legally full-time too. So to be kind of like a beer and wine restaurant per se at a brewery, you know, you, you, you've hit every angle. I mean, we've had eight weddings since we've opened. And to get married at a brewery, what's the difference? You get married at a winery, why wouldn't you get married at a brewery? Yeah. And people love it. Absolutely. We, we built it that way. Right. And so I, I think, you know, I'm hearing you've – you know, you sort of overcome a lot of these challenges that that startups face, and I'm not saying you don't have your challenges on the daily because I know you do, um, as, as does any entrepreneur that's treading you know new new ground and, and you know trying to establish a brand and and, and educate the public, and it's it's difficult uh, to say the least. What do you find most challenging about you know the beer business or you know your your role within um, you know, you're seen on the daily. You know, it's like any business, you know, like I said, beer business is one business, but in any business, I think the challenge is, you know, I'm not, I'm not intimidated by other breweries. So I don't feel, I don't see a challenge with that. I don't, I think competition is healthy. I think competition makes me go bigger. 
but the biggest challenges is I think, you know, employees and morale and things like that. You know, it's, it's, you have a direction as an, as an entrepreneur, as, you know, as the leader of the pack, you know, and you're working for free and you're, you know, dropping off kegs still in your car, you're blowing your back out, you're, you're doing everything, you know, yeah. you're, you're a man of many traits in the company and you expect people, I think, to work like you do, but they never will. And, you know, then it, it ends up, you know, you become disappointed sometimes, but you got to, you know, I'm learning to be better as a leader. So I used to be a certain way. Now I'm, I think I'm doing better today. But those are the biggest challenges, I think, because you, you want everyone to have the passion you do. And then you kind of see people, especially today and age with the millennials. Um, I'm, I think I'm on that cusp. So I was lucky enough to not be one of them. <laughs> right. They're, it's entitlement and they just don't work. And the biggest challenge is watching, you know, it's like, just just do it. And, and figure it out, you know, FIO, man, figure it out. Right. <laughs> you know, back when we were younger, you'd figure it out. You know, if you got lost, you didn't have GPS, you just figure out how to get home. And so today and age, I think that's the biggest problem is, is getting the right employees. And, and we're lucky enough to now today have a solid, solid team. It's gone, you know, a year and a half. I mean, from day one, I'm on my third brewer, which is a great thing. And you've learned from each of them. They've taken me to a level. And now this new one's just taken us. I don't think you've tried the new, new beers, but it's just next level. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, brewers, it's sort of like, you know, designers, I think some, you know, they're sort of purpose built to take you to the next level. Um, and, and, and each contribution is certainly positively felt and it's, 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 on to the next um, to to carry that torch forward. Um, so, you know, you've had successful restaurants. You've got, you know, a, a hugely successful venue at Rancho. Um, you know, I guess, you know, you talked about the people and you talked about, you know, the, the difficulty with, you know, getting people to work as hard as you do. I mean, is that the hardest part about being an entrepreneur for you or is it managing expectations or is it, you know, having, having extreme patience or, you know, what, 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 what are those things? You know, I think the employees are one thing, but I think being an entrepreneur, you know, and trying to convince people of your idea because it takes money, you know, but it also takes drive and balls like we talked about, but you know, it's everyone wants to, uh, invest in you when you have a good idea but when it comes down to it no one writes a check <laughs> so you know i was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to have a family that could support me but you know i went out there and i I've raised capital multiple times and you know you you i'm not good at certain areas but i know i'm good at you know the people side of it and the dream so i gotta make sure all the other aspects of the business and raising capital are there but you know you get a lot of the want the the wannabes and it's kind of frustrating when you are so excited and people believe in you and then it comes down to the wire and then they just ghost you and you're just so let down by well why did you string me along and i guess it goes back to people disappointing you now these aren't employees disappointing you. now these are just people disappointing yeah yeah no that's i mean obviously yeah managing cash flow and uh all at the same time you know trying to shore up additional funding and like you said it's like when when you're early stage and everyone loves the idea and yeah it's it's a it's a pretty sexy business a beer business as is the clothing business 
but uh, when it comes to writing those checks, it's it's um you know it's it's not a very easy thing to do, and it's certainly you can get strung along. And I I think that's an important lesson for entrepreneurs out there. Like you may have these rosy colored glasses. You think like I got this great idea. People are going to be throwing money at me, and it, and from the outside, it may appear that that is the case. Because you hear these stories, especially you know, with all the tech things and people throwing that kind of money around, but that's just not rooted in any kind of reality. And um, you know, it's you know, when you're out there waving that flag by yourself, um, you know, running the dailies, uh, doing all the things it takes, you know, to go and, and and you know, doing the extracurricular things like raising money and convincing people that you know you're going to work. 23 hours out of 24 and you're not going to lose them their money is, is a, is a huge part of it. Um, but you know what, man, that's, that's just kind of how we earn our stripes. It's a, it's an interesting road we walk. Um, yeah. so it's interesting. It's tough. It is. Uh, so as far as, you know, where do you see the brand, you know, you're, you're the, you're the mastermind behind the brand. Where do you see the brand in, in the next five to 10 years? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you'd like to not be like stone, but perhaps be, in terms of volume and, and, and growth potential and reach and distribution as a stone, um, is is that, you know, what does that look like to you? How do you get there? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of options. You know, you hear all these big, these little breweries that in three years sell for $100 million. And then, you know, everyone's walking away with a good chunk of money and 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 then then what you know and then people go well you know Brett you could take a hundred million dollars and go start another brewery I'm like if I got a hundred million dollars I would never do another brewery in my life. <laughs> Be like, are you gonna go start another clothing line, Ryan? No, <laughs> exactly. So I'm having too much fun with this one right now, and you know it's it's I do have a board, I do have a bunch of investors, but you know if if you do get an offer for a hundred million, well then why not go for two? You know, and that's the why not thing for me. And and I believe if you believe in your team and the product, and I think we do have a pretty, you know, being a year into this new brewery location and business plan, I think we're starting to figure out the the opportunities and the potential, especially with, you know, us having event space here at Rancho Las Lomas and then one at the brewery. And then, you know, we have a great catering partner who has multiple locations and, you know, we are tapping into a different market than the local craft breweries, which is separating us from them because we are going, you know, hand in hand against stone. We're going against the, the fat tires. We're going against the Allagash whites. We're going against the big boys and, and trying to get that event banquet hall bottle space. And that's different. Right. And, and I get, obviously, you know, I have some, some knowledge uh, as to the distribution you speak of, as it relates to separating your brand out. I mean, you, you, I know you've got some placement at Disneyland. You've got some placement at, with, uh, like, uh, you know, professional sports franchises teams like the Angels. I mean, I, I think that that's, again, another point of distinction where, you know, obviously there's craft breweries that don't want that type of that, – that's not their growth trajectory. They'd rather probably stay a little more um, indie and core, and that's not in their, their plan. But I think it's a huge validation to what you're – you and the team are doing at town park as far as legitimate placements with with mass eyeballs on the brand yeah yeah i mean you're you're right like like i said you know the, the pre- previous question was where's the brand you know where do you see it like i don't know um there's options options but when we're getting into big locations like angel stadium um you know the chargers are a new backyard orange county 
um, brand or LA Orange County. And then you have Disneyland. We just did a custom beer for Disneyland for their fall festival. It's our second festival we've done with them. And I mean, they're going a hundred kegs in two months with us, you know, and then we're working with, um, you know, Albertsons, Vons, Pavilions and the big grocery stores. And then, you know, I've had a lot of success with the big restaurants, you know, anywhere from Mastro's, we're the number one selling beer at Mastro's, which is the second largest Mastro's in the country here in Costa Mesa. And to do that, I mean, it's huge, you know, and you, you see these things, Pelican Hill Resort. I'm going out to Palm Springs tomorrow to the Ritz Carlton for their whole hotel because, you know, we are doing unique things that are different. We are able to to white label some products for them. We're able to contract some of their own brand onto cans, which I think, you know, everyone's going towards that local craft from soap to 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 beer. People want that. And that's where I think that experience and the story is really important. So that's that's where we stand a little different. Beer beer comes third in my conversation. You know, it's it's more about the the story and the people and then we also make good beer. You know, that's that's kind of the conversation. Absolutely. So this is like one of those it's the obvious question, but it's sort of like, you know, as much tasting as you do and as much glad handing as you do and as much being uh, you know, um, with your clients uh, in the space and, and drinking your own product. I mean, have you have you have you soured on the taste of beer yet? Do you still enjoy it? Like, can you sit down, watch a game, crack a cold one, or is it just is it does it start to take on a different context for you? Like, maybe, maybe you elevate your game. Maybe you maybe you drink whiskey. I don't know. Well, I, I do elevate my game. It's always we call it a whiskey back. So <laughs> beer, you know, um, I love beer. I I and these. You know, a lot of athletes, what's really cool, I don't know if people know this, but a lot of athletes after a run um, or a bike ride, they'll just pound a beer. It's good for you in a sense that it'll regenerate all of your, it's good for your bones, it's good for your, you know, there, there's good elements to it, just like a red wine. So you'll see a lot of athletes, you know, just pound a beer because it's got more than just water in it. So I love it, man. After a good surf, a nice beer, something crisp, you know, the heavier stuff, I enjoy too. Tis the season, you know, holidays, warmer weather, out in the snow, you want a dark stout. Um, but I love, you know, it's funny because me and my team, we're the, we kind of stand out a little different at beer events because we're the ones coming in hot drinking tequila or whiskey. <laughs> you know, and everyone's just drinking beer, 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 beer. And I'm like, I love my beer, but, you know, you got to go all night. You're using the restroom 14 times you know, in an hour. So I'm like, let's just get to the whiskey real quick. But uh, that's kind of my go-to beer and whiskey. All right. Well, I think, you know, we've, we've covered a, a, a lot of ground as far as, you know, your vision for the brand and the impetus for uh, the label and, and, and your, you know, your mission at, at Town Park. And it's, it's certainly fun to, to watch the business continue to grow and to evolve. Um, you know, so, this um, this has been really a pleasure for me. Oh, I did want to um, ask so the questions from my kids round, um, if you don't mind indulging this real quick. So uh, my son Jack, he wants to know uh, what's your favorite beer. Right now, I all summer was the white ale, something about it, and it's kind of turned into this new beer we just we just launched, which is a rye IPA. And it is phenomenal. I've yet to sample that one, Brett. It's actually our brewer won a gold medal with it in GABF a couple years back. So he re- re- brewed it here. And it's 
it's gold medal worthy, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Now speaking of that, will you will you put some of these beers forth for judging? And how does where do you do that? And how's that work? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always say we're not chasing awards; we're chasing people. But you know, we were never ready. I don't think you know a lot of ups and downs and figuring out our product and how we wanted our, our recipes to go. But I think we're to a point where next year, 2019, we're going to submit to all the big boys, and if we win, awesome. You know, that's just an only elevate you in that beer world. But if we don't, we're still going to keep chasing, you know, the people and, and, and making our product that much better. So I think we're at a stage now to really do that. Great. And, and uh, my daughter Josie wants to know what's the tiger's name? Her name is Lily. Lily. Okay, Josie. My, uh, my mom loves uh, roses and flowers. And on our property, she's got the tens to about 600 plus rose bushes. So she every time she has an opportunity to name one of our animals it's a it's a flower so my dog daisy and then my last dog was rosie and then now this tiger her name is lily very nice josie will like that and my my littlest son george we didn't we didn't get to him for this one so um i'll let you off the hook with him um, but anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if if uh, people want to find out more about uh, you and or Town Park and or Rancho, can you please uh, maybe throw some socials out there and, and let everyone know where they might uh, get additional info? Yeah, um, Town Park's pretty easy. Social, everyone's on it. Um, all of them have the same dot coms as well. So it's just Town Park Brew. Um, it's uh, T-O-W-N-E. So there's an E in town if anyone is wondering. And then Rancho Las Lomas is uh, just rancholaslomas.com. Uh, That's also our handle on social media and Facebooks and stuff. But I do encourage people to um, join our mailing lists. We do stuff every month. I mean, literally paint nights to uh, movie nights. Bingo. Or the brewery. Yeah, I mean, they're fun. <laughs> and the uh, and the brewery, where it's, it's located in Anaheim. They can find yeah. it. Lincoln and the Five. So we're Upper West Side, uh, Lincoln and the Five. And then people can follow us, like I said, on the social media there. My, my handle is the town mayor, um, you know, uh, rightly, rightfully so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, we're so we're, the, we're actually known as a really customer service based brewery. So people could DM us. We respond right away. Um, again, we host parties everywhere. We host birthdays, weddings. Uh, corporate retreats or just come by and have a beer so i mean we're available all the time awesome brad well thank you so much for coming on sharing your story with us today um it was my pleasure and you know you you do have one of those businesses that's i think like on the fun scale it's a 10 um you make beautiful product and uh and uh you know i'm i'm just so stoked for the brand and and certainly um enjoy uh, drinking your craft, my friend. Yes, yes. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, dude. Thanks for coming on today. Cheers.